0: Warning, this episode contains adult language and content. They say the pen is mightier, but in whose hands? So we'll pit two stories head to head and find out which one lands. While three
1: sham writers haven't read a lot, so your sham host will find a famous plot from books and films. Pitch then off you go to
0: write what you don't know. This is sham fiction, the show where two
2: writers cross pens in a duel to write what they don't know. Now, here's your host, Andrew Neal.
1: Hey y'all, yes, indeed, it is another week of sham fiction and another week of Andrew Neal as your host welcome everyone this is a special episode and not just because it's one of those every third episodes where you hear this voice a lot more than you normally do (laughs) it's also
2: the season finale of sham
1: fiction
2: what (gasps) what oh my goodness the dream could it be over
1: Oh, you, I'm gonna pinch you in a second here, Eric, and you're gonna wake up, and it's all gonna have been in your beautiful little head. Oh. <laughs> so that was the voice of one of our writers today, Mr. Eric Carlson. Eric, tell us a little bit more how you're feeling right now.
2: I am feeling well. I was feeling really happy. Now I'm, I'm a little sad. Yeah. A little sad. It's okay. Because it's over. It's gonna be over. It's, it's okay. The, it's okay. It's the last. It's
1: the
3: last one.
0: Shh. <laughs>
3: uh, it's okay. I got it. I just. You got I just it under gotta control.
2: Get it. I got it. I got it together. I'm good. I'm good. I'm happy. I'm good. I'm great. Let's do this.
1: It's okay. Don't shut yourself off from emotions, Eric. Uh, we are bottling, humans. We have the capacity to emote, and we just, have many of them.
2: Take those. Take those feelings. Just, just shove them in a sack.
1: Oh, <sighs> you don't. You don't want. You don't want any. Keep. You don't. Don't fill up that emotion sack. Put that emotion sack away.
2: (laughs) Okay. Uh, Sage Wisdom from Andrew Neal. There you go. Yeah. Host Uh, of Sham Fiction. There's another writer that's been listening to all this.
3: Marcus, how are you? I I also have a full emotion sack. (laughs) (laughs) It's a big day, guys. Season two has been so much fun. Dueling with y'all over the past year it's been a pleasure It has. how many, how many duels
2: is that I, I don't have that number is it like 20 20 odd duels it's probably about 20 least. duels
1: 20 okay 20
2: duels approximately 20 duels you've done a well, lot of duels I, I
1: would guess i guess it's like like it's got to be a, a a multiple of 3 right so it's probably like 27
2: duels oh you did that math in your head oh how as Man, because there are twenty
1: six weeks, you are. There's fifty two. There's fifty two weeks in a year. We release bio every so two far. weeks.
2: Every two top weeks, top notch, top notch podcast content right here. Yeah, that's how it's done. People it's are not gonna miss it this out
1: in my brain. This is <laughs> the this is the creme de la creme of content that you get here at the season finale of Sham Fiction.
3: You've <laughs> waited all it season to see us take on math. And yeah now, see, <laughs> see here's how it works let me
1: tell you more about this cream so <laughs> over the course of this season, back, back the season the cream about... floats to the top <laughs> and this cream has been <laughs> accumulating at the top do you collect s- it in a sack we're skimming it across
3: and throwing it in a sack <laughs> okay, yep good That's what and I'm we doing. call
2: that we call that the emotion sack yep Yep, made from the
1: hides of emotion frogs that we, <laughs> we learned about two episodes ago. Or whatever those
2: are called.
3: toads. We, we can only <laughs> afford one sack, so all of our hides and cream and emotions just get mixed together. It's a multi-purpose sack. Um, if you want to support us buying more sacks for another season, <laughs> please visit coffee.com slash fiction. There, yeah, there,
1: there it is. There it is. Gang... <laughs> We have a humdinger of an episode for you <laughs> as the season finale. I gotta tell you, Eric is enjoying himself so I'm just, much. I'm just over the top. You are. You're over the top. You've rise to the
3: top. Put ten just pounds of cream. emotion in a five pound bag. You Nailed
1: it. <laughs> um, but anyway, it's a humdinger because we have a heck of a property. I have a heck of a property for you today to, to, to be pitching and... What y'all are gonna be writing for us today? What you're gonna be shamming for us today? And that one is the haunting of Hill House. Oh God! I just pooped Ooh. from pure fear. Oh, as you should, and as I did <laughs> while I watched this show, because it's spooky. How could you not with such a spooky show? Right. Also, this is the, the the this is the second episode this month that's been all spooky, and it's December. It's a scary month, December, especially since, you know, it's around the holidays. A lot of us are seeing our family. And uh, as we all know, and as this show reminds us, family can often be pretty scary. Am I right, guys? Talk yeah. about your families in vivid detail and the deep trauma that you've experienced as part of being your family.
2: Well, when I left home, mm-hmm. uh, I just made sure that there wasn't a home I could go back to. You know what I mean? Oh, that's good. That's good, Marcus. Yeah. Marcus,
3: how about you? Yeah. Well, my my grandparents lived on an ancient burial ground, and mm. so all of their children are murderers. Oh, uh, very good.
1: Natch. You guys get it then. You you guys are gonna be great. You're you. This is going. You're gonna take to this property like glow toads to water. <laughs> I couldn't uh, think of a a, a a better thing there. But, oh man. Guys, this show was created by a man named Mike Flanagan. (gasps)
2: Mike Flanagan,
1: Who we have actually had the... Most of us, all of us, have had the pleasure of meeting uh, a long time ago, back before he has... Back before he has really hit success as a filmmaker. Commercial success. He'd been artistically successful. That's a good way of putting it. That's a good way of putting it. Uh, Yeah, he was taught by... Our old film professor. So we have that in common. It's kind of weird. Shout out to Tom Brando. Hey, Tom. Oh, Tombo. He's the best. So, yes, Mike Flanagan created this show. Uh, this is his first, uh, as, as far as I can, I, I don't have all the credits in front of me, but I believe this is Mike's first foray into television programs. Um, this show is on Netflix. It's a 10-episode series on Netflix. It was uh released here back in October. Um Mike before now has been primarily working in the films. He made uh the film's Hush, which yeah. I don't know if either of you saw it was, it was very good. It was very great. good about a deaf woman being stalked by a killer. Mm-hmm. It's pretty it was pretty great. Uh he also made Oculus with Karen Gillen from mm. Doctor Who, which was yeah. about uh, haunted mirror and way I better bulbs. than it sounds.
3: You kids may know her as Nebula from the oh, Avengers yeah, films. but without all the makeup. Can I tell my uh, my Mike Flanagan story? Yeah, please. Because this, this uh, amuses me. Uh, he gave a talk at our film school. As we noted, he was a former student of Tom Brando. So he came out when uh, this is before Oculus came out, right? He's uh, yeah. Touring, yeah uh the film circuit. And he was wearing a coat that looked very familiar to me. Like a uh, kind oh, of right. brown uh, uh, overcoat. Like a trench coat, right? Trench coat kind of thing. And I go up to him afterwards. And I'm like, uh, hey, Mike, is that, a, is that a Tenth Doctor coat? <laughs> and he goes, yeah. It shows me the label. And it's the official Doctor Who Tenth Doctor coat. So, guys, he's got nerd cred. He's got nerd cred. And I was like... Uh, is it, is it warm enough? Because I, also being a nerd, was like, ooh, I gotta get me a Doctor Who coat. He goes, yeah, it's, it's expensive, but it's just warm enough to justify it. And the moral <laughs> of the story is, I think he could afford another Doctor Who coat at this point. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe one. Maybe one more
1: Doctor Who coat.
3: You know, good for you,
1: Mike. <laughs> Replacement coat. That one's probably getting a little old at this point. Uh,
3: but that was when I knew instantly that I liked this guy.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Helps that
2: he makes good movies.
1: He yep. is. He's a very talented dude. Uh, this show is, I mean, there's a reason that I'm pitching it. This is a great show, and I am not alone in that fandom. This show has uh, has gotten quite the buzz. Uh, people are loving it. And... Uh, I haven't read much in terms of uh, reporting after the show. Uh, I don't know if they're going to make it a second season. It seems like a limited series, like they wouldn't do anything else. But uh, who's to say? This was super ex- successful. They could use that as an excuse to make more of it. Um, but The uh, Haunted of Hill House, uh, this was actually, it, it's based on a book, well-known oh. book by Shirley Jackson, which uh, came out way back in 1959. Ooh. Uh, I have not read this book. I'd assume that neither of you have either. No, no. Okay. Uh, this is a really famous book, you know, kind of a classic of the, of horror fiction. Um, and I'm actually looking forward to reading it now because I've heard that it's very different, that this is a very loose adaptation.
2: It hasn't, uh, hasn't it been adapted like a whole bunch of times? Like I can think of at least two movies by that title. Yes. It's been adapted a bunch. Um, Wait, hold but, on, hold on a second. Was whoa, whoa, guys? What, what? was uh, was Owen Wilson in one of these films? Which one? Are, to what are you referring?
3: Oh wow!
1: I know <laughs> Owen Wilson. I am not. I'm not worried about the actor. you are like whom you're referring. like I mean,
2: in what the movie in the '90s, The Haunting. Is oh, that the same? Right. Is that the same thing? Is this the same property? Because if it is then I already know everything that I need to know, and I'm just going to walk on out of here, start mm, writing.
1: Man, it's been it, years since... type type type
2: since, oh, That's how you do it. It's been years since
1: I've seen that classic of horror cinema, uh, and I had for plumb forgotten that Mr. Wilson was in it. Um, oh, wow. And if it is <laughs> a... You're going to just get as many of those in here as you can. <laughs> I got it. Uh, keep it up. and uh, I... If that is an adaptation of the same material, it is wildly different from this show, so I would not worry about it. This show stars (laughs) a bunch of people, including, I don't know exactly how to pronounce his name, it's like Michelle Houseman. You might know him better by his alter ego, Dario Naharis (gasps) from Game of Thrones. Wait. Okay, got it. Yeah, you can picture. I, I had, to picture, had to picture. picture.
2: Pretty good-looking guy. Yeah,
1: he's a good-looking man. Good-looking man. And also included in the cast, it's a it's a really great cast. Carla Gugino, who you nerds might remember as being in Watchmen, the film Watchmen. Oh, who'd she play? Uh, she was. Uh, oh God, I forgot their damn names. She plays the the woman, but in the the older timeline. She was Silk and, Spectre one yes there you go i don't remember their names thank you uh yes um also henry thomas elizabeth reeser oliver jackson cohen kate siegel victoria Padretti, and the one the only academy award winner timothy hutton it's a pretty dang good cast and that's just the adult cast there's a kid cast i'm not going to name them because i haven't written them down there's a big cast <laughs> and they're fantastic
3: one one of the actresses is married to mike flanagan is that correct yeah Kate Siegel Kate mm-hmm. Siegel she's uh she was the star of uh hush as uh, well
2: yeah
1: and uh and his uh indie hit that uh was uh, kind of put put him on the map which was uh, absentia nice um yes
3: yeah I have been trying to avoid any information about this but I follow Mike Flanagan on Twitter and I saw him tweeting at one point saying that uh there was a day on set where his wife had to fall in the scene. So, spoilers, mm-hmm. Eric. His wife character might have to fall at some point in the show. Well, at least uh, now we both have that information. Exactly. Thank you for I'm trying sharing. to be honest. And uh, apparently the day that they had filmed this falling over and over was the day that she told him that she was pregnant. So <laughs> he was freaking out.
1: <laughs> oh, no! That would be such a scary th- way to find that out. Yeah. Like, af- after all, a day of all of that sort of thing. Oh, I just feel man. like,
3: artistically, the house would have a bunch of pillows instead of a floor here. It's, it's <laughs> Mike, spookier. Mike. <laughs> that
1: doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I think it does. It's a big house. Lots of pillows. <laughs> this is Netflix.
3: We're, we're
1: breaking the mold. Yeah, there we go. Gentlemen, are you ready to hear about this haunting Let's in hear said house on yeah. said hill? Eh. Okay, I, I'm going to take your <laughs> silence and, 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 and mumbled agreement as, as yes, that you are ready. You, I, I understand it's spooky. Marcus is covering his eyes right now. He's very scared. But fear not, you have me, your intrepid host, Andrew Neal, to lead the way. And I'm pretty brave. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so let's get some time on
2: the clock. Let's do that.
0: Pitch Session. Eight minutes on the clock. Three, two, one, let's jam.
1: All right, Haunting of Hill House. You know, I would say it's a horror show, but I'd also say it's probably more of a drama, a very moving family drama about the Crane family. The story takes place between two times, modern day and 25 years ago. Back then, the Crane family moved into Hill House, which is a massive estate in Massachusetts, uh, they moved in because the heads of the family, Hugh and Olivia, uh, they're house flippers. So they moved in to renovate it, flip it, and sell it for a profit, in the hopes that they could use that money to then build their dream house. Uh, Olivia was an architect, and she had a dream house all ready to go, uh, all planned. But uh, that's uh, that's not uh, that's not what happened. <laughs> Um, instead, uh, some, um, pretty terrible things happened, uh, (laughs) leading to, uh, the death of Olivia, and some pretty unshakable trauma, uh, within and between the members of the rest of the family. Um, events, uh, some, some pretty, some pretty nasty events that may or may not involve the supernatural. (gasps) Anyway, that was 25 years ago. What's happening now? (laughs) Well, you see... There's a bunch of kids. There are five children in the Crane family. I'm going to list them from eldest to youngest and tell you a little bit about them and what's going on in their lives now that they're adults and not children running away from scary things. Steven is the eldest son. He's Dario Nojaris. He is a very successful author. He writes books uh, about other people's experiences with the supernatural and paranormal. But... Stephen himself is a skeptic. He doesn't believe in ghosts. Despite what happened to him as a younger man or I should say a boy, he was he wasn't a man at that point when he was a boy, what happened at Hill House all those years ago, he uh, he remains a skeptic. Um he got famous by writing a book based off his memories of his family's experience at Hill House, which I mean like uh you know, what's, what's that, a hypocrite much, Stephen? Come on, man. <laughs> uh, anyway, this has not made him very popular with his family, especially Shirley, who is the eldest daughter. Uh, Shirley has not forgiven Stephen uh, for, as she sees it, profiting off of the family's tragedy <laughs> and uh, forcing the family to further confront something that she thinks would be better left in the past. Shirley, she's a bit of a hothead. She's very quick to anger, and... Uh, Which makes her great as a mortician for some (laughs) reason. I don't know why that would make her great, but that's what she is. (laughs) Um, She and her husband uh, own a flippin' beautiful funeral home in Massachusetts. It's huge. It's amazing. Um, They have a guest house outside this dang thing. That's how big and amazing it is. And therein lives Theo, who is the middle child. Uh... Theo is a child therapist now. She has, which, which on the job, she she has a special gift that she uses. See, Theo, ever since she was a child, has the ability to sense people's feelings by touching them, or by touching objects associated with them she can with vibe. her bare hands. Whoa. She can vibe. She's like Cisco Ramon. Indeed.
0: Ooh. I don't yes. know what we're
1: talking about. Oh man, fans of The Flash do. Hey there. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody, uh, none, none of the living members of the family know about Theo's gifts. Four minutes uh, remaining. Olivia. Oh, four minutes ma- remaining. Um, their mother did, because uh, as when she was a child, as Theo learned, the the women in the Crane family, or the women in on her side of the family, have a sensitivity to the supernatural. So Theo wears gloves, and uh, the family just thinks it's a weird way of distancing herself from others, but it's actually because if she touches things, she sees things and freaks herself out. Um, next up in the family is Luke, who is an addict. He is currently living in a halfway house and has been cl- there and clean for a few months now. Um, but most of the family still struggles to trust him because of his past behavior. He's, uh, uh, he's plagued by the presence of who he calls the tall man who is oh. about what you'd expect uh is <laughs> and, and like who's been f- yep yep there you go and he's been uh following luke ever since uh they yeah. left Hill house yeah. um so God. he will just <laughs> too randomly too like see that. this this tall guy standing watching him from long ways away and uh it really freaks him out uh but yeah, so he has a bit of an extra sense, too. And he shares that with his twin sister, Nell. Uh, they call it the twin thing, which uh, means that they can sense when the other is in danger. So they've had this ever since they were kids. Uh, Nell, as well, has a spirit that's been following her since Hill House, who yeah. she refers to as the Bent Neck Lady.
0: Uh.
1: Yes, it's about as terrible as it sounds. Um, so... Nell suffers from sleep paralysis, and when she gets into these moments of sleep paralysis, the bent neck lady appears, uh, watching her from like across the room and then eventually screaming in her face. Uh so Nell's frequent Two visions
0: remaining.
1: Yeah. So Nell's visions have made her, you know, anxiety ridden and terrified all the time. Uh but she is very she becomes unwilling to take her medication. Um, which has kind of made her a pariah in the family. And on a particular bad day, she calls Stephen, she calls Thir- Shirley, she calls Theo, but none of them are picking up. So instead she calls Hugh, their father, uh, who most of them haven't spoken to in years. And he assures that her, her that everything's going to be all right because he's the protector. He is the only one that knows the truths of the events that happened at Hill House that night when Olivia, his wife, died, and he has kept that truth from the kids for their entire lives, because he believes that it'll protect them. Uh, but it has completely broken him to the fact that he he couldn't even take care of the kids. They were brought up by an aunt or something like that. Um, so most of them have been completely away from him for most of their adult lives.
2: Um, but anyway... One minute remaining.
1: Oh, man. Anyway, uh, yeah, so he assures Nell that it's all right, but this doesn't, doesn't help. Uh, and that night, the family learns that Nell has died of an apparent suicide and that her body was found at Hill House. Uh. So, the death of Nell is going to bring the Crane children back together for the first time in a very long time to confront the terrible events that happened at Hill House all those 25 years ago uh just to give you a couple of things about how this story is lots of ghosts lots and lots of ghosts packet full of ghosts all this drama stuff it's all there you need to know it it's the most important thing but there are also ghosts put ghosts in it it's also structured a lot like lost it flashes back from present to past Mm, boom
2: that's
3: it lots of ghosts lots of ghosts Oh, God. That's fantastic. This is already so much more terrifying than the ritual. Whew. Oh, it's so <laughs> terrifying.
1: It scared me very badly.
3: The The tall
1: man, Luke's tall man. Oh. Uh, uh, I, had to, I had to pause it and walk away for a little bit because <laughs> it spooked me out so much. Uh, yes.
3: <laughs> the, the, the sleep paralysis. Have either of you ever experienced sleep paralysis? No. No. It is terrifying. It is the oh God, scariest you, you've thing. You've experienced that? Yes, it is oh, just Jesus. the worst. And you, I, I've experienced it like properly, and I've experienced uh, sleep paralysis with like a little bit of lucid dreaming, where I saw things in the room oh, that weren't no. there. Yeah. So like I'd be lying down. I remember uh, falling asleep on my father's couch, and I'm I'm sleeping there. And then I come back to consciousness, and I feel like there's someone just over on the other side, and I can't move, and I can't talk, and like I'm fully aware of the situation, but there's something else there, and maybe I saw a ghost cast. I don't know. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh,
2: my God. Uh,
3: But it's really scary. Here's the deal.
1: I'm just going to tell you, Marcus. Yep. It's okay. It's okay. You probably
0: did.
3: (laughs) I, I, I also want to point out, I typed the word sleep paralysis into Google. And it gives you a little people ask, right? Like, questions about what you just typed in. Yeah, yeah. Question number one, can sleep paralysis kill you?
2: (laughs) And (laughs) question number two,
3: this escalates very quickly, is sleep paralysis a demon? (laughs) Oh my god.
1: (laughs) 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 That, that, that's, it's spooky, spooky stuff. stuff.
3: But as, as a real thing, totally scary. Yeah, yeah, oh, and wow. uh, okay. it's
1: it's pretty it's pretty dang scary on this show too. Um, gentlemen, you've now heard my pitch. Now I want to hear your questions. You will each have two minutes to ask me questions individually, and I want to hear questions from Marcus first. Mr. Right. Man, you stay here. Eric. You go wander the halls of Hill House for a little while. Come back no, in two I don't, minutes. I don't think this is a good idea. I don't. I don't It'll be don't great. Like it will be this. just fine. Uh, it's fine. Okay, I've, I've seen the pushing. show.
2: Stop. Stop pushing. Yep. Okay. Yep. Fine.
1: Yep. Okay. He's gone. He's gone. Okay. Good. All right, Marcus. Now that we're alone and he's off uh, wherever the hell he's going, maybe uh, you know down a coal chute somewhere. Um, let's put some time on the clock so you can ask me some questions. Perfect.
3: Two-minute all right so what's been going on with hill house in the 25 years since the incident when they moved out like who's owned it they still own it uh
1: they never sold it and they've never been back they they got the heck out of there and
3: they have not been back in 25 years it's remained empty gotcha so it's gotten even spookier and more decrepit uh where they all the whole family was all the kids were there um 25 years ago yes okay do they all remember it or were there some who are too young to remember what happened
1: they all remember it um but they all remember things differently so none of them you know they all had their own unique experiences and even when they had shared experiences some question it some don't so it's all a mess
3: gotcha Uh, With the twins, do they have any interaction, like any idea why these spirits are following them or whatever the heck they are? Tall man and crooked neck or bit neck? Uh, No,
1: um, it doesn't seem like they I mean, I think Nell is the most outspoken about the ghosts because they all know about the bent neck lady and when they hear it as adults they're all like oh god nell's talking about the bent neck lady again but luke is the only one that believes her
3: okay so we think those are ghosts that's what they think yeah okay Mm -hmm. and you said there are tons and tons of ghosts do they ever talk or do they just like creep at you Seconds. they do talk they do talk are in- yes, but they, they mostly creep, but there's a bit of talk. Are any of them friendly ghosts or recognizable ghosts from people they knew?
1: Um, no. No, they don't recognize. There's no family members or anything like that. They're all strangers. Okay. Um,
3: and some, the, the ghost's intentions are often unclear. Sure. Do, is it, I mean, do we know anything about ghost lore? Is it like unresolved business? Time's up. Out of I guess this
1: business will remain unresolved.
3: <laughs> I will hunt hey. you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, good questions. Good questions. I'm excited. Uh, I hope you have enough to
3: to go on here. You got a lot
1: of characters. That's for sure.
3: Yeah. Uh, well, I'm excited. I'm gonna I'm gonna ghost you. Oh. And then let Eric do his thing. I'm loving this. All right. Go wander the halls of Hill House on your own.
1: Uh, beware, don't, 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 don't look behind that one door. You know the one. Um, Eric, come into my office. That's the door that
3: Andrew just pooped in. (laughs) Don't tell anybody.
1: You know, this is
3: my office with all the
1: books. You see these, these
2: books behind me? Those all look pretty dusty. You haven't touched those in years. I read Eric. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm a
1: good reader.
0: (laughs) Of words. Uh, Sure you are
2: uh this show probably proves that anyway this house yep it's not so much spooky as weird there are so many sacks everywhere (laughs) full to bursting with i don't want to know what you didn't look in any of the sacks did you then no but i tripped down some and fell down some stairs that was weird oh man yeah you are you are bumped and bruised and bleeding but I fell, I fell on a sack, so
1: it's all right. Oh, at least it broke your fall. Well, mm-hmm. let's get you to the hospital. But before then, let's hear your questions. Let's get some
2: time on the clock.
0: Two-minute Q&A begin.
2: Okay, so does the family, the Crane family, do they still own the house? Yes, Does do. Dad Does Dad still live in the house? No,
1: Marcus kind of asked this question, but I'll I'll give it, this information to you as well. Um, so they they don't live there. They okay. never sold the house. The house has
2: just remained empty for 25 years. They've never been back. Gotcha. Does dad show up at any point? Yeah. Yes. OK. Uh, wh- how, so OK, so Nell's body's found at the house. How does that bring everybody together? Does somebody like does does the eldest like call everybody? What's going on there? Um, so I believe it is dad who gets the body
1: or finds the body. So he does go back to house to get it. But then Shirley, as a mortician insists that she, uh, embalm Nell and do the funeral oh. at her place.
2: Oh, that's a weird choice. Um, it is, it's, it's, it's probably a bad choice. Yeah. Yeah. And I've just always wanted to, just, you know, see what's in there. I just wanted to see what's in there. You know what I mean? Ah, that's odd. Um, what else? Is there anybody else in this house that's not a Crane family member?
1: Yeah, they have helpers. Ah, uh, shoot. Yeah, I gotta look up. I don't know their names. There's a creepy lady and a creepy guy that are like the groundskeeper. Clara and
2: seconds remaining. Dudley? Or okay. No,
1: Horace. They are the Dudleys. The Dudleys. Okay. okay. Who so live they've been off grounds. They are the caretakers of the house. Yes. They
2: are the keepers of keys. Yeah. Exactly. Gotcha. Okay. That's got to be a good gig. They've probably seen some things. Oh uh, my yes. Uh, are they actually dead people? Uh, no. I will say no. Okay. Because <laughs> that's where I was gonna go with it. Damn. Uh, you know what? Time's up.
3: Time's it. up. That's, that's what's, all I got. That's what's
2: happening. Mm-hmm. I feel good. I feel really good, actually. Yeah, you like this? I like this. This is fun. Uh, there are so many characters. Lots um, of them. Lots so of kids. it's it's gonna be impossible to get them all or almost impossible to get them all into a story, but you know what? Yeah. We'll see. We'll see who I choose. Maybe I'll, I'll do a, a little of uh, this sister, a little of that brother. Who knows? Who's to say? Who's to say? They're all such rich characters, and you can take them so
1: many different ways. Exactly. Yeah. You can just take one and do something. So, yeah, you get out of here. You go uh, fall up some stairs. and <laughs> For a change.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Come on.
1: <laughs> Be original, Eric. Uh, all, right. all right. See you soon. All right. Thank you, sir. Okay. So... What do we got to do now? We got a break for commercial. We got to hear me talk a little bit more about things that you need to do for us. (laughs) You're (laughs) required. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, and then after that, we'll hear some uh, spooky tales uh, about Hill House and uh, the haunting therein. We will see you in a minute. Oh, wow. Dear listeners, we've reached it. The last commercial break of Season Duel of Sham Fiction. We've lived, we've laughed, we've learned. And yet I have one more thing to teach you. As I teach you every week, subscribe. Stay subscribed. Don't unsubscribe. Because if we launch more Sham Fiction, and I hope it's a matter of when and not if, If you're subscribed, you'll receive it right away. It'll be great. We'll pop up in your feed. You'll see us. You'll be like, oh, hey, it's Sham Fiction. It'll be lovely. And if you want to keep up with any Sham Fiction news, follow us on social media. Our website, ShamFiction.com, TwoJackets.com, which is our production company website. You can find us. We're always here on the web and in your hearts. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. It's been a great year. All right, welcome back to the show. That was a wonderful break. Good job, me. Let's walk through the threshold and into Hill House Ooh. and the haunting thereof. Ooh. Ooh, You hear them? You hear them ghosts a-howling and them doors a-creaking?
0: Ah.
2: <coughs> <Yep. laughs> yeah, there's a lot of them creaking at once. Yep, they're simultaneous creaking. There's a draft in this house. Ooh, shivers. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I've been, uh, I'm in a serious relationship, but I just went on uh, Tinder and Bumble and, uh, you know, Plenty of Fish and all those this week. And have just been matching with people and then not responding to anything to get in the mood. Oh, there we go. ghosting as much as possible. Ghosting
2: as much yeah. as possible.
1: That's good. Getting into the... Okay, maybe that'll be a hint at what we can expect in Marcus's story. Maybe It's very ghostly. When I said that there's a lot of ghosts, maybe he just thought there was a
3: lot of ghosting. Yep. And I've been <laughs> racing, uh previous versions of myself in Mario Kart. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Gotta beat the ghost. Lots of uh, ghosts. And oh, oh, playing Pac-Man.
3: Go. Ooh, lots of Pac-Man.
2: Oh, yeah. Just really
3: getting in the, the ghosting spirit.
2: Yeah, all the 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 usual ghost things that people think about when you say the word ghost, you know. Yeah,
3: and yeah. I adopted this albino dire wolf, <laughs> and it's just <laughs> been very ghostly. <laughs> ghost to me. And I've been watching a particular Mission Impossible film. I won't wow. say which one.
2: Wow, he's he's got a list. Well, we're I see him hoodie, reading you know? off
1: of a list. He's gone. He's gone into that particular protocol. Yeah. <laughs> yeah these are all good these are all all good and i I, and i hope that every single one of these things appears in your story or maybe it'll appear in both of your stories maybe eric was thinking the same thing who knows (laughs) no okay then guess not uh that's docking points already but that's okay okay (laughs) all right so hey gang let's hear some sham fictions of haunting of hill house i assume that you brought them yes (gasps) Oh, oh yes oh yeah Okay, good, good Written good.
3: in blood took a while. Oh, man. Yeah,
2: I was looking, you were looking a little pale there. And Marcus, then you also hold got on. A little on. B- Marcus, you <laughs> used your own blood? You, If you write something in blood, you gotta use somebody else's blood.
3: I'm a gentleman. Or an oh.
2: animal's blood. <laughs> what? That's less fun. Speak for yourself. More delicious, um,
3: Alright, so... <laughs> uh,
1: I do not hurt animals. I love animals. I fear and respect them. Um... <laughs> Let's get on with some stories. Uh, let's hear them. Let's start with. Uh, let's start with Mr. I'm Carlson because so he, he's, <gasps> he's he's like dancing here. He's like wiggling his hips and his shoulders. Ooh. This one's Doing gonna a shimmy be shimmy, fun. Shimmy,
2: shimmy, shimmy All right, I'm really, shimmy I'm really I'm really excited for this. This is gonna be uh, hopefully spooky, hopefully scary, and I'm Ooh. excited uh, to talk about these. All so, right, let's do it. Guess. Let's do it. This is Eric Carlson's haunting of Hill House. Shirley could hear Nell's voice, and she was screaming. No! No! Leave me alone! Go away! The girl was shouting, punctuated by shrill, frantic shrieks of pain and terror that echoed through the darkened halls of Hill House. Shirley followed the sound, letting it lead her through passages and up stairways lit only by the fickle flame of the oil lamp she held shakily before her and the occasional flash of lightning from the narrow windows. Some beaten down part of Shirley's mind knew that the sound of her sister's death throes could not be real. She had seen the corpse that had once been Nell laid out on her embalming table. She had seen the purple bruises around her neck and the pale, bloodless slashes on her arms and legs. It had all happened weeks ago, and her youngest sister was now dead and buried. It was all over for Nell Crane. And yet... A stronger part of her brain was working to put the pieces together. Luke had been the first to hear Nell. He'd wanted to leave mere hours into their session, claiming that his twin was talking to him, and that she was scared. Leo tried to calm him, but she too began hearing voices as soon as she touched him, and now, suddenly, in the middle of the night, Shirley could hear her as well. Whether she wanted to admit it or not, Nell was trying to tell them something from beyond the grave. Neither Luke nor Theo were in their bedrooms, which scared Shirley more than she'd ever admit. She didn't even bother checking Stephen's room. The pages she'd read from his notebook told her all she needed to know about his true reasons for being there, and she couldn't shake the inkling that perhaps her eldest brother had been orchestrating everything from the very beginning. What better way to sell a book than personal tragedy she thought. And that's why she carried the handgun. If Stephen was deranged enough to kill Nell, then she sure as hell wasn't going to get caught off guard when he came for the rest of them. A flickering orange glow emanated from an open doorway ahead and to her right. Someone had clearly lit a dim fire in one of the house's dozens of hearths. She held the pistol before her and the oil lamp behind, and held her breath as she snuck forward, peeking around the door frame an inch at a time until the room came into view. It was a small sitting room, one most likely attached to an equally small bedroom on the far side. The fireplace was indeed lit, but there appeared to be nobody inside, so she eased her way in and approached the fire. "'Please don't hurt me,' said a very small voice." Shirley's heart jumped into her throat, and she spun, clumsily pointing the pistol at the corner of the room near the door. There, huddled with arms around knees, was a little girl, no older than Theo had been when their mother died, naked and clinging, white-knuckled to a ragged, stuffed rabbit doll that looked like it had been made a hundred years ago. "'Oh my god!' Shirley gasped taking a step back, away from the child. I didn't do anything bad. Please, I've been good. The girl sobbed, staring in fear at Shirley with huge, wet eyes. I- I'm not going to hurt you, Shirley replied hesitantly. The hair on her neck and arms was standing straight up, and she could feel a chill pass through her entire body. She barely recognized that she could no longer hear Nell's distant screams over the hard pounding in her chest. The girl's gaze shot to something behind Shirley, and then she screamed, a high-pitched, terrible scream. The room seemed to shake, or perhaps it was only the trembling of Shirley's legs. Quiet. You'll wake your brothers. The man's voice was deep and cold, and very, very close. Too rough to belong to either of her brothers. A wordless noise escaped Shirley's lips. She slowly turned, looking over her shoulder terrified who she might find standing in the room with her. It was a man, tall and bearded, with a streak of grey in his unkempt hair, and a gut that threatened to burst the middle buttons of his dark vest. He wore an ascot and a white dress shirt whose sleeves had been rolled up to the elbows. Dark red blood drenched the man's arms and clothes, flecking his face. In one thick fist he held the glistening red haft of an old wood-cutting axe. With a loud stomp, the man took an unsteady step forward. Shirley bellowed and lurched back, falling onto the floor. The oil lamp cracked on impact, snuffing out the flame. With a second thunderous step, the large man hefted the axe in both hands and raised it over his head. The girl's screams were deafening. Shirley scrambled towards the door, somehow finding her feet, and leapt out of the room, managing to keep her grip on the pistol but lacking the presence of mind to use it. She ran. By the time Shirley had registered the cracking, wet thud of the axe head, driving its way home, and the gurgling silence that followed, she was careening down the vacuous black void of the hallway, tears blurring her vision. She collided with the wall at the end of the hallway, but pushed herself on into the left, down another passage, thinking only that she had to get as far away from the bearded man as possible. A few moments later, she exploded through a set of double doors, closing and latching them behind her, and collapsed onto a dusty Victorian sofa to catch her breath. Her eyes remained open, desperately scanning the room and darting back to the door to ensure that she hadn't been followed. She held the gun with a death grip, clinging it, clinging to it like a security blanket, knowing that if the bearded man found her hiding there, she'd be forced to use it. Minutes passed. Shirley's heart began to slow, and the darkness of the room began to resolve itself into rough shapes. It was clear that she was in a bedroom, a large one. A huge canopy bed occupied the center of the space its foot facing a massive hearth, tall enough that she'd be able to stand inside if she'd wanted to. There were doors leading away from this room in every direction, and when the lightning flashed outside, Shirley could easily see the rain running down the tall, leaded glass windows through gaps in heavy, velvet curtains. And all of a sudden, Shirley realized that she'd been there before, It was the one place in the house that she had resolved never to step foot in again. The master bedroom. The place where all their lives had ended. At first, Theo thought that she was hearing things again. The shouting voices and running footsteps coming from the upper floors of the house felt like something out of time. Echoes of the past repeating themselves again and again the way they had been doing ever since the house was abandoned a century and a half ago. Graham Hill, the imposing iron tycoon who had built Hill House, was said to have gone mad after the death of his third wife and her unborn son, slaughtering all remnants of his expansive brood as well as his servants, before immolating himself and the body of his wife in their master fireplace. Theo had seen it all firsthand, of course. First... When she was a child, and then again in the weeks since Nell's death, she had spent several days inside, helping the Dudleys prepare their rooms and planning the therapy sessions that were supposed to help Theo and her siblings face the fears and let go of their shared trauma. But it had been too much. Luke hadn't been sober since they arrived, and Stephen and Shirley had been at each other's throats nonstop. Theo herself had been overwhelmed by the haunting echoes of the house's bloody past, whether she wore her gloves or not. Clearly, she didn't need to touch something in order to feel the endless, excruciating pain that had been wrought within these walls. So when she finally recognized the shouting upstairs as the terrified voice of her last sister, she feared the worst. She feared that despite all of her best intentions, the only thing she'd managed to do was allow the death of yet another Crane woman. She followed the noises through the darkened corridors and stairways up to the top floor of the house, only for the noises to stop as soon as she was staring at the door to the master bedroom. She wasn't surprised that the house had led her there. It was the heart of it all. The origin. The door eased open onto a room the size of a small house. The vaulted ceiling was dark, but Theo could see the iron chandelier and the huge canopy bed with the spare light flashing in from the tall windows. Just below the chandelier stood Shirley. A wave of relief flooded through Theo's body. Her sister was alive. She hadn't been too late. Shirley, she said joyfully, stepping into the room. Her sister's gaze snapped down from where they'd been staring. The chandelier an expression of pure horror on her face. "'Stop! Don't come any closer!' She shouted with eyes that seemed to look right through her. The fear came roaring back in Theo's mind, and she realized that Shirley was holding a gun, and it was aimed directly at her chest. "'Shirley?' she asked, her voice quailing. "'It's me! Theo! It's okay!' her sister took a few steps back towards the center of the room, glancing up at the chandelier every step or two. I don't know who you are, but you can't have any more of us, she screamed. Go away! And then the thunder came. It was louder than anything Theo had ever heard, and the flash of light that accompanied it perfectly illuminated the expression of fear on Shirley's face, and re- the recoiling barrel of the gun, and two pale forms that could have been a pair of women dangling from the chandelier above. Time slowed, and it seemed to Theo that she could see a fog veiling her sister's eyes, and reflected in those wide, glossy pools was the face of a man who had been dead for a very, very long time. The bullet tore into her, and she could feel her ribs shatter as fragments of metal cascaded through her flesh, sending a wave of warmth and pain across her entire body. Before she could process what was happening, however, she was on the floor, staring up at her sister. She dropped the gun, put both hands to her mouth, and said, Theo, and then there was nothing the end
1: oh, oh my goodness gracious oh. Thank you Eric for sharing that horrific tale at Hill House I will we will we will speak about that later <laughs> what you have done <laughs> what I have done what I yes. dare did what hath you wrought <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, thank you for sharing it. Take a break. Have some water. Whew. Relax a little. we Will do. will Faint on your fainting couch.
3: <gasps>
1: yep, there you went. Bless your stars. <laughs> and let's now turn to Mr. Mann to hear his take on Hill House.
3: Happily, although first I have to address the thousands of people who wrote in after our last episode requesting that I get that same British actor back to perform... This piece... Didn't happen. Uh, this is an American property, and unfortunately, I will stay true to the source material and use an American accent. So thank you for writing in, but uh <laughs> going to have to keep it American English
1: this time. Who did they write to? Did they write to you directly? I don't remember seeing any messages at contact at shamfiction.com.
3: It was at uh, Marcus should do the British accent again at shamfiction.net.
2: People just... Intuitively knew that that's what they, just where they should write. They just knew <laughs> it was
3: a write-in. It's like you know when you write into something. <laughs> All right. Makes
0: sense.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and read my story now. Please, thank you. Okay, this is Marcus Mann's "The Haunting of Hill House." Take a deep breath, in and out. Take another. Feel yourself calm Your heart beats slow Take a deep breath In and out Take another And another You have millions of breaths in your life Did you know? Take as many as you'd like The countdown is too long to see And this breath probably won't be your last I had two brothers And two sisters And two parents Or do I have them still? When did they stop being yours? Is it when you fight? All families fight, all families lie. Is it measured by the breaths you share? Do you stop having them when the breaths run out? I don't want to talk about my family, not yet, maybe not at all. I want to talk about the house. Hill House is not where I was born, but it is where I became who I am. It transformed me as it itself has been transformed over the years. A house this large takes time to build, and so it gains an identity before it's truly formed. The house they're building at the top of the hill dies when it simply becomes the house at the top of the hill. The skeleton of a residence is buried in its finishing. The bones that hold up the structure are suffocated beneath walls and paint, keeping safe the souls who dwell inside. If you were to visit Hill House, you could see every room in a single day, but it's more likely that you wouldn't. That would have to be your intention, and by splitting your time traveling through each door, you wouldn't see as much as if you had stayed in one. People lived in the house before you ever heard of it. They died there, too. Some of them like to remind you of this. If you stay in a room long enough, you may read some of their stories and the objects they left behind. They may tell you the stories themselves. It doesn't take long to form a routine. There are things we must do every day, and there are things we want to do as often as we can. You're breathing now. Take a deep breath. In and out. Take another. And another. In the morning when you wake, you find relief, then search for food. You do the business of the day, then return for more responsibility, leisure if you can, and sleep. You do it again and again in and out deep breaths before a house is born a man releases it from the ink of his pen the drawing of what it will be is not the house but an idea a will when the house is built you can look back on the drawing and see a resemblance but the soul is not there it has moved on still you can add life back to the drawing by tracing your routines to it think of the house you live in and make a line in your head to show where you've been and where you will go today think of that shape. Do you know what it means? What the lines are saying? The house knows. If you listen, it might tell you. Hill House has had many lines drawn within its walls from its construction through tomorrow. The men and women and children, my family included, have each run through their lives thinking only of their needs. They ignore the trails they leave behind. They're too hard to see when life's perspective is so limited the immediate seems like all that matters. Take a deep breath. In and out. Take another. I was a child when I lived in the house. I thought it was big enough to be the entire world, but I still imagined other worlds within it for me to play in. Little games and fancies that were as fleeting as my attention. My brother played, too, the youngest, my twin. Father was pleased at first, but soon he grew tired of the distraction. He and my mother had work to do in the house, and my brother and I were explorers. We needed to see every room, and again the next day to see what they had become. I know that other children had lived in Hill House, and not just my older brother and sister, who were too boring to understand the wonder we had discovered. Sometimes the other children would talk to me, and sometimes to my brother. We shared their stories with one another. Sometimes the other children would get mad that we weren't listening well enough, and they would come to us in our sleep to have our undivided attention. When we woke up screaming, we would find each other and sob, but we always shared their stories as we held close. It was our duty. We had to listen. It's your duty, too. If you haven't heard the ones before you in your life, don't think that they have forgotten. There are more of them than the living, and their stories must be told. Take a deep breath. In and out. Take another. Each breath brings you closer to joining their chorus. Listen for their song before you have to sing it. When I was a child in Hill House, I sang the song too loud. My brother was sick and he couldn't listen, so I went to my father. When I wouldn't stop, my father stopped me. The children around me became clearer as his fingers tightened around my neck. The breath stopped with a powerful jerk as my neck bent and I fell to the floor. The children welcomed me. Before my brother died, he told me if he had been tall and strong, he could have saved me. He's a tall man now, but I'm still here. The years go on and we tell our stories Sometimes we have to yell when you won't listen, but everyone listens in the end. There are more of us than there are of you. Take a deep breath. In and out. Take another. We'll see you soon. The end. Whoa.
1: What is this, a chill going down my spine? Give me a
3: crink in the neck. (laughs) jeez.
1: Yeah, yeah, you got to stretch that out a little bit. <laughs> looks bad. Looks wow. painful. All right. Thank you for sharing that story, Mr. Man. We will return to my thoughts on it here in a couple of minutes. Now we have reached the time of this this episode <laughs> where we need to talk about these stories. <laughs> I'm going to give Mr. Man a little bit more of a break. Turn to Mr. Thank Carlson, you. who shared our, the first story. Yeah, Eric. hello. hello tell us how you approached
2: writing hill house uh yeah so i wrote a lot uh yeah you did <laughs> um and there's a lot of words that i read there's there there are more words that i did not read um <laughs> my originally i was going i wanted to include as many of these characters as possible like i really wanted to see the perspectives from all four characters or all four of these siblings um and i also <laughs> I originally planned to include their father in it somehow as well, like <laughs> yeah, I, I a... had a lot figured out, like yeah. where I wanted the larger story to go, and there was just no way for me to cram it all in there. Yeah. So when I started writing, I actually started with a story from Luke's perspective, where he's um he's basically found a, a stash of wine and he's up in the in like a secret tower room that he uh, hung out in as a kid um and it's this kind of gives you context cuz you can see out on the the lawn and like their father shows up cuz their father finds out that they are staying in the house despite his uh despite his warnings and all this other junk and it just ended up being so dang huge that i um as i continued to write these other perspectives i realized i had to throw out like half of what i had done yeah even this this version i could have thrown out half of this and it would have been a story but I liked it so I kept it
1: cool yeah. so it sounds like you were attracted to so many of the elements that it just was very difficult for you to
2: yeah, choose I just, one yeah I dove into these characters I liked them a lot like I was I started by looking at each character and figuring it out figuring out like okay why are they in the house what are they what are their conflicts what are their personal motivations you know I went beat by beat for each character and kind of set up the situation for all of them um, so I really dug it and it was, it was hard for me to, to pare that down because I was yeah. just, I just loved everybody.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, it had a lot, like I have, I had the same challenge crafting the pitch for this because there are so many elements and it's, you know, it's a TV series. So, you know, there's a lot that it explores and trying to figure out the best way to lay those elements out is really tricky. And, you know, there's so much to get through that. Yeah. I understand. I get it. It's a,
2: it, there's a lot here. There's mm-hmm. a lot to dig into. Yeah, and you, it was a it was a good pitch, so there was a lot to go off of. Hey, points. <laughs> <laughs> All
1: Got right, it. let's uh, let's uh, turn to Marcus now.
3: Well, first I'd say it wasn't a good pitch, Andrew. It was a great pitch. Ooh, more points. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Oh goodness, uh, this was a fun one. It was it was a fun one. There are lots of different ways to approach this one, uh, as we saw two different takes here. I was very interested in the ghosts, as you may have guessed, mm-hmm. uh, and I wanted to think about how do you make something scary in prose, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, so much of prose is, is visual, and you're at this safe distance because you're you're listening, you can stop paying attention. If you're reading it, you can look away. Uh, so I was trying to think about how do I get into that immediacy that when you're watching a film and you realize, gosh, I haven't taken a breath in such a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I wanted to make this a personal address to try to get into some of that so that I'm talking yeah. to you and that it's more of a, oh my gosh, like that foreboding have that recycling of breath and that notion that each breath you're coming closer to death, (laughs) (laughs) you know, fun stuff. (laughs) Uh, And then I was also playing around with like, I I wanted to do the ghost perspective and how they, they don't think that they're monsters or anything. And, um, draw that parallel between the twins and say that, you know, uh, as you're reading this, you might think that you're reading Nell's perspective or you're hearing Nell's perspective. You're actually hearing the Bent Neck Lady, of course. Uh, what? So. What? Oh, no. <laughs> I have failed. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so I, w- I wanted to play with that, keep the, the time vague, and talk about the house and talk about yeah. spirits and all that. So that was uh, that was my fun in this piece. <laughs> all right. Fun was had.
2: Fun was had. Uh, see, I get it now, because you said when when she was choked to death that he bent her neck I thought that was just a that was just a clever little nod to the bent <laughs> neck lady not an actual origin okay okay yeah <laughs> oh.
3: and her, her uh, brother was the tall man yeah oh. no, I, this is good this is all good <laughs> Eric did you not pick <laughs> up on these things or are you being it. facetious right no, now
2: No, I, uh, I actually thought it was Nell I thought that's <laughs> oh, the story oh. perspective Oh, well. interesting that's look good. at
3: that that's, that's, I mean that's ideal I guess
1: <laughs> uh, all right well let's 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 talk a bit about that in a minute let's let's get through some <laughs> of the 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 things that we got to do here uh yep. so yeah you both lost um <laughs> big surprise ah, just thought I'll i'd band off there yep no winners here on sham fiction except for those who made the property that we pitch uh so this week uh I The tip of the hat goes to Mike Flanagan, who created this show, and uh, Shirley Jackson, who wrote the novel on which it is based. So, good job, creators. You did well done. good. Well This is a great show. Those of us, uh, or those of you out in the audience who have watched this show, as I hope you have, you know, listened to this sham fiction, you probably have, you get it, you know. This is a great show. if you haven't watched it, Go do it. It's on Netflix, which you of course have. How could you not? Uh, (laughs) Not sponsored. (laughs) No, not a sponsor, even though we've done their properties the last few episodes. Yeah, Lots out there. Lots of stuff to watch. You can watch it for the rest of your life until you die. (laughs) Um, Okay, so let's move on to who is the least loser this week. Whose story did I, your host, your humble host, (laughs) like the most this week and I am going to give that hat tip atop my my nog to, to Mr. Marcus Mann. Congratulations. Very nice. Marcus. Thank you. You did a little better than Eric this week.
3: <laughs> That's all I wanted out of life. Uh, yes. Well, thank you very much, sir. Uh,
2: congratulations. Thank well you. Well done. I suppose... <laughs> Oh man, it's, it's okay Eric. I'm I'm patting you. It's a
1: virtual pat on the shoulder. Rub on the belly. <laughs> Thanks, pal. There's still a lot to like. There's a lot to like in both of these stories, so let's talk about it. Let's do it. So, the the reason I'm going to give the edge to Mr. Man is that this is a spooky show. It's scary. There were there was one time that I had to pause and walk away from it. That's how scary <laughs> oh, scared I God. was. Um and I will give the edge because Marcus's elicited a fearful reaction in me. I did indeed get some chills up my spine there
3: near the end.
1: So it was effective in that element, which it seemed to be was your goal. And so I will, you know, give you the props where they are deserved because it absolutely was effective to me. And also just a surprise, you know, because... You describe your intention in doing that little fake-out. You know, our expectations are that this is Nell, and then it's not. And I was absolutely taken by that. And you you, you fooled me. You spooked me and you fooled me. Woo! Thank you. Yes. So I I see this as a very successful story uh, and very unique uh, in the way that it's told, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, So well done. Well done. Thank you. Um. Eric, yours was excellent as well, and I would say much more. What what impressed me the most, um, and as is often the case, where this story reminded me of scenes in the show itself. It made sure. me feel like I was watching the show itself. Yeah, um, these could have been these could have been moments in the show. Um, but as is often the case, because it felt so familiar to me, I was impressed in that respect but I also didn't feel surprised by it um in a way that it just had that familiarity to it um that I kind of just fell into it and um yeah so I, I just didn't quite get that surprise nature that I think you need with a with a, a horror property you know you need to have that element of the unknown and the things that you were describing to me felt like that I had seen them before in the show interesting. Um, the way that you portrayed the um, ghosts, you know, you have this little girl who's there and the the, the the father that is there, these things that are just kind of popping up, kind of, they feel like a physical presence, you know, we're not mm-hmm. talking about, like, apparitions that you see through or, you know, like, or just have, like, impressions of the thing, they are, like, these full body things that are there. Yeah. Um, I, I I could see that moment and my favorite moment in your entire piece was the thunder, the lightning crack uh, near the end, because the that was a moment that I was fully transported into that scene and very present in that moment. You know, you have the danger with Shirley pointing the gun at Theo and all that, but then it's just heightened in that moment. The drama is heightened by the visuals that you paint in that moment, and seeing the the women hanging from the chandelier, which you know you were you know hooking us into with these little, you know, calling attention to it before that mm-hmm. just worked really well. And I could see that moment so clearly. Um, it, was, it was really powerful. So good on you. Thank you. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about these things. Gents,
2: what do you have to say about each other's stories? Uh, Marcus, first of all, um, I love the style you went with for yours because it, it was so much different than I expected. Um, you did, uh, you set out to do something with a unique voice and you really, really succeeded. Um, although I missed some of the clues apparently I was supposed to pick up on about the identity of the person. Um, but, uh, still, still very effective storytelling and it was really, really, really chilling. Um, and you, you, uh, you hit on a question that I was having the whole time when I was working on mine too, was, yeah, how do you make something how do you make a, a scary story like a text story how can that be scary because it doesn't have the immediacy of, of a film um and i was i was also struggling with the concept of how do you make ghosts scary even like i, I don't know why that was hard for me i'm like they're ghosts they're just they're not real you know but you yep. you, you solve that you you found a way to make it frightening and chilling and 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 really engaging
3: thank you i think it's a good question obviously uh we should point out listeners who are screaming at us uh there are brilliant horror writers and brilliant horror fiction out there uh uh, so you know there's stuff that scares the heck out of me Um, i think we're more saying that it's just difficult it's a challenging thing to do not that it's impossible it's it's a to do when you don't get much time to do it. Like, it's it's really hard to do in the short fiction, I think, uh, in particular. Sure. But, uh, yeah, I, I think it's a similar question. When I was asking myself with the ghost particularly, Eric, because it's the same thing, it's like, well, are they going to physically harm you? No. But yeah. what's it like to have something that you can't ever get away from? And that was really the key to this to me. The, like The horror of being a ghost. Well, the, the horror of being a ghost, but and also being stuck like in that when you time. We are talking about the children, and there's a line I wrote where it's uh, like, if we weren't paying enough attention, they'd come to us when we were asleep to have our undivided mm-hmm. attention. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of the, the ultimate scare, I think, is that there's just no getting away. Oh, Closing I your eyes doesn't yeah. help. Going to sleep doesn't help. Running away doesn't help. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Thank you. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you take away that kind of control, you know, and have, try and, make the reader feel like they don't have any control in those moments and the direct address of using the "you"s in your story you know as you said that you were trying to do uh was really i mean that was so effective that i mean that really put me in that place because when you say you i you know i react to that you know i see that i i can i can project myself into that
3: yeah thank you uh did you take a deep breath when i told you to take a deep breath
1: I did. I did find myself doing that. <laughs> yeah. I also found myself, like, as some of the details are, of your story are a little fuzzy, because I did find myself kind of, I wouldn't say toning it out, because that wasn't it, but I just felt that I was kind of in it, and I think the sensation of it uh, distracted me of what I was feeling while I was listening to it. So I did cool. have these moments near the end, and I did have to do a little bit of mental gymnastics to understand what you were getting at, you know, where, you know, Eric was, you know, didn't quite pick up on. And I didn't, I, it took me a second to kind of pick up on it as well of who we were seeing through, whose eyes we were seeing through. Um,
2: you know, that's interesting. Yeah. There was a, a moment earlier on, Marcus, in your piece that it kind. Of, I kind of found myself being lulled by the words. Like in a sense that like you are saying that you have all this beautiful prose and they are all words and there's like such a a, a rhythm to it that it kind of hypnotizes you. And I realized there was a chunk of time that had passed and I had no idea what you had said. (laughs) I would not be able to repeat it. No clue what was going on. But then when it gets to this point where she starts uh, saying, I, you know, when I was a child, I did this, you know, then all of a sudden I'm snapped back into it, like, oh, okay, now I have a story thread to follow. So there's this interesting little uh, little magic trick going on. And uh, it's definitely not a knock at all. It just, it lulled me.
3: Good. Thank you. I, I think that's that's part of it, right? Is uh, Trying to just make that emotional response with the prose there. And you have the narrator who's reluctant to tell her personal story, but obviously has to tell it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was fun. Okay. So I have some, some questions. Questions. Eric, yeah.
1: What made you ultimately choose to go with Shirley and Theo?
2: Uh, So I needed some immediacy in the story. Um, a lot of what I was working on, it was like some kind of spooky background stuff, but I needed actual ghost encounters mm-hmm. so um and i chose shirley because she was the person who seemed the most distraught the most distrusting i saw her mm-hmm. going into this situation um solely with the goal of protecting her other brothers or her her um protecting theo and luke specifically because she's afraid mm-hmm. of what um or afraid of why um the, uh, the older brother, why Steven, would even go there in the first place. So I saw her as the most distraught, and uh, also it, uh, I thought she might protect herself. So having, you know, bringing a gun into the situation adds a human threat to the ghosty threats, which I, it, in some of my favorite horror films and shows, there is that dual threat. It's not only the paranormal, it's also the other people. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to get that into play and she was the perfect, the perfect, uh, vehicle for that. And yeah. then, uh, and okay. then I wanted Theo in there cause she seemed like, um, she, I wanted her to be the victim, the accidental victim in the shooting. Um, I wanted her to get hurt. I don't know if she, she's necessarily dies, but you know, she gets shot, which is no good. Um, I wanted it to be her. Um, so, uh, so her perspective felt the most right. But also let me give some extra background information that I wanted to come across or to convey to the audience. Yeah, okay. That's interesting. Yeah, and those those instincts
0: are
1: pretty good. Uh especially with uh well no, with both of them. Um because Shirley is the one that is he's she's not the most skeptic, but she is the like distrusting is a good word for it because she is very prone to anger. And she gets emotional when when any of this sort of stuff is brought up. So, sure. Um, again, like you, that that character felt very true to what we see in the show.
2: Great. Um, oh, and so, I, and I should yeah. point out, um, having Theo be involved and be the one to sh- be shot worked for me because you know I saw Shirley going into this trying to protect. Like she's she. There's a line in there about trying to make sure that um, they don't lose another uh, crane woman. You know, Mm -hmm. and so that seemed to make sense the irony of like chasing Nell's voice and accidentally ending ending up shooting Theo that was a good uh, bookend sort of situation for me
1: yeah no that's cool I didn't put that together Um, but I like that a lot Um, I will say I think one of the bigger detractors for your story was its structure Mm -hmm. Um, because you start with one character and go with the other the trade off there um was a, it was a hard transition. I mean that's a hard cut from one to the other and when you're dealing with you know this finite short story um, even though the second bit ends up resolving the first bit, it it was something that I had to kind of reorient myself and I, my mind did go, oh we're restarting something now yeah. like it was that was a thought that I had and I, it took me a while. Until Theo walks into that room to really be like, okay, now we're getting back. I did have that feeling like, now we're getting back to the story that I want to see resolved. Sure. Um, that makes sense. So that element did take me out. And I think it interrupted when you're talking about a, a horror, you want people to be in something, in a situation. And again, you know, that lack of control can be one element of it. But whatever it is, by cutting, you release the tension. And I think that ended up hurting your story.
2: Fair. Yeah, I think if I was to edit this, I would just cut out a big chunk of the beginning of Theo's section and cut straight to her going into that room. Just cut out the background and, and just keep it in that moment. Yeah, that could have helped.
3: Yeah, that was the bit that really did excite me when we finally got to see, oh, this is the reveal and the mechanics of the ghost uh, warping the perspective and mm-hmm. the brief moment where Theo sees as uh Shirley sees her i really enjoyed that um cool I, I i like that trope it was used particularly well in uh old man logan uh <laughs> <the> X Men movie <laughs> and comic uh it's, it's a good one it's scary i just read a sanderson book that did the same thing nice um uh, so what, I, trop- uh, what are you speaking to specifically, just so we're clear? You, you think that you're attacking a villain, but you're actually attacking your friend or family. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. in, in the X-Men and, and old man Logan, uh, specifically, uh, uh, Wolverine is tricked into thinking that all the X-Men have been killed. And he's fighting the Brotherhood of Mutants, but he actually is just killing all of the X-Men. <laughs> um, so, pretty pretty dark timeline. Yeah, and they nice. did that in the movie Logan, uh, which was great. Just in the background. <laughs> but that's not what I'm here to talk about. <laughs> no, no, no. no, no. Uh, I, I, I'm saying that even though I've seen that trope in, in multiple cases, I really liked your implementation of it. And I thought it was still gripping and effective. And I really liked the, uh, the amount of detail that you clearly put into developing these characters and this space. So I really appreciated that. Um, I, I would say overall, though, I, I did feel a lack of immediacy in the piece. Um, I, and a lot of the, the insects are really good. I love the uh, the dual threats, like you said. That's like the the coolest thing about reading Stephen King is you've got the worst monster in the world and you're more afraid of the humans. Uh, right. <laughs> I, I love that aspect of horror. Uh, but I, yeah, I, I felt like I, I wasn't really really scared until the end. Okay. Um when we got into Theo's head. Okay.
1: Alright. Yeah, um man, guys, I'm I'm spooked. I'm <laughs> I'm I it's 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 our final show. Ooh. And that's scary to me. The the future is a big question mark. What's what is what lies ahead for us, for the show, for our listeners. Um, and I, uh, yeah, I just, uh, I don't want to wrap it up. I don't want to start doing any sort of wrap up things. I, uh, <laughs> you know, I just, I want it, I want
2: it to keep going. I want us to keep talking about these stories. We have only a finite number of breaths, Andrew. We have to make them count. It's a I
3: disappointing guess. number, by the way. It's something like 700 million. That's it? No, like that's so, it's so many. It's not enough. It's, it's way too many breaths. Uh, I and could to use be clear, twice this that. is an average number of breaths. It is not some mystical hoo-ha saying that you can't exercise because you only have a limited number of breaths. It's not how any of this works. What? Uh, people think that. People think that they only have like <laughs> 50,000 heartbeats or something. So if they exercise, they're going to die faster because they've used up more heartbeats. What? This is a, a, a thing that people who don't understand... Uh, science and medicine believe what so that's not what i'm saying what i'm, I'm saying is like by that let's when talk I was, about x-men again <laughs> when i was working on this story and i was looking up the number of breaths that an average person has, which is around 600 700 million if you live to be 80 uh 16 breaths per minute or so but the thing was i was like oh i could calculate how many breaths you're gonna take and what you know, like how many you've counted down from the time I start the story to the end, and that could be really spooky. Mm. But it'd be nothing because it's just <laughs> such a tiny little fraction of <laughs> seven hundred million. Yeah. So you know, I had to I had to play it a different way.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot of breath. You say that number, and I'm like, my goodness, that's a lot. It's like, my gosh, that sounds exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. I'm, 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 I'm with the I'm with all the, the the fatties who believe that other thing we're talking <laughs> about. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, guys, we gotta wrap this up. We gotta we gotta hit the old dusty trail. This has been, uh, you know, we've had like I don't know, twenty seven shows. I'm just guessing that number. I didn't Something think about there, it in yeah. advance. Um. This this year, um, I feel like we've all had our ups and downs. Um, but in the end, I think we have, uh, grown. As writers, there are things that you all are using now that I don't think you had we had, had done, you know, early on, um, that were really exciting. Some just wonderful imagery and um, kind of stunning technique, interesting technique, um, and I'm looking forward to how we use this in the future on our own stories, which we all continue uh, to want to tell. So. This has been well worth the journey, and I really hope that our listeners have taken away something from it as well, other than just mere hours of entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> we hope that this is a learning experience because that's, that's one of the, the huge reasons that we do it, other than being able to look at each other's goofy faces every so often. Yes. yes. Which they don't get. Sorry, listeners, you don't get that.
2: They're very for goofy. Us. They are very goofy. You said it uh yeah no i think uh i think we've all come a long way in the last two years of doing this show in the last year of doing duels it's been great getting more and more fiction uh out of you guys i really really look forward to hearing what you bring to the table every time we do one of these episodes so well done well done dragon and uh keep it up seriously
3: thank you yeah i've I've very thoroughly enjoyed doing this uh We are unclear on what the exact future of Sham Fiction will be. We know that this is the last episode for a long while. Uh, If we do some specials in the future, TBD, we'll come back with another Two Jackets podcast. We'll see. But don't expect anything in your feed for a while. Don't worry, we're not dead. You can still reach us at Marcus should have hired that British actor back at (laughs) (laughs) shamfiction.net. Or contact at shamfiction.com. It's uh, <laughs> <and> probably <laughs> a better address. Yeah, use a real one. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but I, I would say that uh, I've enjoyed learning from both of you. What I've loved about this is that instead of our styles converging, I think we've gotten more uh, assured in our own voices. And this exercise has been fantastic in terms of getting us all to write things that wouldn't be our direct inclination to write. It really forces you to think about the tools that you're using when the story that you're crafting is different from what would just come out of you if you sat down on a blank page and could go in any direction so i've really enjoyed that experience myself and i've enjoyed seeing the two of you do that writing as well yeah well said thank you and i think there are a couple other collaborators we have to thank before we sign off uh so thanks again to reed reimer our amazing composer who did the theme song uh, and the, uh, the interstitial music did a really fantastic job with that. I really enjoyed that this season. Thanks, Reid. Uh, thanks to the the British lady that we hired off of Fiverr. I don't remember her name, but she was great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Fiverr. Yep, thanks, Fiverr. Fiverr.com. Uh, <laughs> thanks to everyone who donated to the show. We really appreciate that. That helped keep us going. Uh, thanks to Man. Who uh huh. you know, is can't oh. leave the show without seeing him again. <laughs> I didn't know that you were going to bring me into the show this <laughs> week.
2: Good thing <laughs> I have materialized to be here in this instant. Uh, thank you for having me.
3: You're very welcome, Gravel Are we gonna have to disable the summoning spell that whenever we say your name, you get pulled into existence from wherever you are when you're not existing? Please no, don't let me die. <laughs> All right, well, look look forward to the future of the Gravel Podcast.
2: We'll <laughs> do a whole podcast. Gravel uh, Man only. Next uh, time. I'm very expensive.
3: <laughs> next time on Sham Fiction, the Gravel Hour. This is where all our donation <laughs>
1: money has gone, is just to pay for Gravel Man.
2: <laughs> and his exorbitant fees. Yes. <laughs> and it was worth it.
1: <laughs> for every minute of Gravel. Uh, yep. <laughs> a true Sham classic oh man well good guys lessons have been learned people have been deservedly thanked is there anything else that we can say to draw this out a little bit longer and not say goodbye
3: uh well, watch watch the haunting hills house on netflix we already talked oh, about yeah. that uh yep, it's great
1: that. i think we've i think we've got i think we've gone
3: through that i think they got uh, that yeah just repeating it because i'm gonna watch it i'm so excited yeah. Uh, yeah, I will you... say I do want to say something because it's I've been dwelling
1: on it. I've been dwelling on it and I know what you're going to say. Just, and I want just don't to want... just delay that a you little know? bit longer because <laughs> uh, I just know getting back on the Hill House since you're the one that brought it up. I know that there are listeners in the audience that have that are listening to this that have seen Hill House and there is a connection in one of both of your stories. I'll just say in Marcus's story that everybody is like, holy crap. How did that work out? How did he think of that? And yes, I haven't brought it up, and what it is specifically, because I want the two gentlemen in front of me to watch the show and 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 be excited at it. But I'm not, I'm just going to keep it vague, but I know that there are listeners that are like, holy crap, how hasn't Andrew said this? You know it. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, I don't God. have to say anything else.
2: I'm just going to, just going to
1: give a little bit of lip
2: service to it the real reason marcus won this week i get it
1: i'm so excited now (laughs) it's uh it's kind of uncanny i can't believe and just like the way that this episode has gone the way eric reacted to it there's just it's so funny um anyway it's it's (laughs) Uh, uncanny it's it's even a little spooky um which is fitting but guys that out of the
3: way anything else that you can think of Uh, anything i'm gonna put you on the spot before i say the thing that everyone knows that i'm thinking of yeah, uh, what have you watched that you were originally writing for the show from the past year that you've really enjoyed? Put me oh, on the spot. Yeah.
1: something that I didn't see because of the show, and yeah. now I have seen. Exactly. Um, that is easy. First one pops into my head is uh, "You're the Worst." <laughs> uh, I was going to say that one too. <laughs> yeah, "You're That's the Worst," fantastic. which is the name of a show. I'm not just being mean to my <laughs> uh, co-hosts. The show You're the Worst, which we shammed uh, earlier this season, um, has been just a light in my life. And I want to thank Marcus for introducing (laughs) it to me because it's one of those shows that it is both incredibly mean and they say and do terrible things, but it also has a lot of heart. It's just the most perfect balance of those things. And I just, I I absolutely adore it. Um, I think that's my favorite thing that I've discovered through the show this year.
3: Oh, thank you. I'm glad I could share that with you. I think it comes back January 9th or 10th, so by the time you're listening to this, it's almost time for season five.
1: Oh, hey, yeah, yep. So, Eric, that was what you were gonna
2: say, or uh, yeah, that was the first one that answer? came to mind because that's the one I've seen most recently. But I mean, I've been wa- trying to watch as many of these things as possible. I mean, like, I've seen Mine since we did that one, and that show is great. Oh, yeah, you really um, like that. I remember it. I was very pleased. Yeah, um, I mean, like, The Shape of Water, come on, I saw that as soon as humanly possible after yeah. doing that one, just amazing. Um, and uh I think the other one that comes to mind is uh, a quiet place. Ooh, uh another okay. fantastic film that we did pretty recently. Um but yeah, that one's still super, in my
3: queue. <laughs> super good. You will love it. Very excited. Oh well to answer what my you? To answer my own question, yeah, Shape of yeah. Water was phenomenal, of course. Um I I enjoyed I didn't finish, but I enjoyed the future man that I watched. <laughs> um I'd probably give credit to what remains of Edith Finch, the indie game, sure, uh, that was quite an experience, and it was very, very fun. but my number one would be Brigsby Bear <laughs> 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 oh, I, I still haven't seen that uh, that's it great <laughs> It's so, a good one. it's a weird one. ain't much like it, so if you want to make your out. own sham fictions, kids, uh just just watch something, tell your friends about it, and then they'll write it probably, yeah. That's how most of us react to such things. Yeah, I need <laughs> what, to write that. No, don't tell me too much. Don't tell me too much. No spoilers. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yep, that's how it works. All oh right. man, see now, now I want to do some uh, ask another question for, for y'all it. on the spot because I want this to be drawn out as long as humanly possible. <laughs> um, the listeners love it. Uh, <laughs> what is y'all's favorite stories that have been told on the show this year?
2: Ooh. from maybe oh, one man. one from
1: each of your fellow co-hosts.
2: Man, that is if on you the can, spot. If you can
1: think it, think it up. And I, Marcus is getting out his phone to remember what episodes there were this
3: season. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, well, Eric's is easy. Uh, okay. It was A Quiet Place. That was my favorite work that you've done on this. Nice. Uh, really, uh, really enjoyed
2: that. I'd say my uh, favorite of Marcus's, I think, was uh, Shape of Water. Ooh. That one was roll good thank you look at that
1: and that one i didn't even pick that one as the winner i don't think
3: that's okay we all make mistakes, mistakes. were made <laughs>
1: yeah. um yeah i off top of mind again because i just
2: thought oh, of this wait, question in the moment so i on, on wait oh. a second wait a second what? no i'm revising my answer oh do it marcus's species <laughs> is, yeah. yep, yep the best thing yep. ever written
1: that <laughs> you'll you winner me. on sham fiction history you beat me to it. That was going to be my pick for Marcus's. That was my favorite. You ever just it,
3: feel things? <laughs> it's one of the,
1: like, just in general, funniest things that I witnessed or, you
3: know, in general this year. So mm. thank you for that. Thank you. Uh, Andrew, I am debating on yours. Uh, I, I probably... Gosh, it's tough because I really loved your You're the Worst. Um that was so fun, especially with the Oscar flavor. Maybe we'll have to do a follow-up this season. Uh, what did Jimmy Shotover release? This, this, year. <laughs> do an an Oscar this year's Oscar yeah, an Oscar yeah. special. Um, and I, I really dug your You're the Worst as well. Uh, or not, not You're the Worst. I just said I that. That's what you just I'm said. Just, I'm a little drunk. You just um, really yeah. liked it. You liked it I'm, so not, much that you wanted everybody. to mention it twice. Uh, you're Lost in Space. Oh. Uh, oh
1: lost in space that yeah. was just lost such a space.
3: such a fun one again you, you didn't win that one but uh i really enjoyed this story
2: thank you thank yeah. you no, mistakes are made and uh <laughs> andrew uh i think my favorite of yours is probably mr mercedes oh that was good super too super intense it's creepy. yikes yeah, yeah that was i went to a dark place with that one yes, i'm surprised that's one that you
1: <laughs> oof yeah no that one i scared myself um yeah, no, yeah. So species for Marcus. With Eric, I'm having a tr- trouble picking cuz they were um, all so bad. As well. I got gotcha. you. Um, <laughs> yep, just uh, god of this trash heap. which one should this I pick trash out of? Heap. <laughs> no, no. What I mean is there <laughs> are a couple that and and they surprisingly weirdly enough, they're both from the indie game series. Oh. Um I I adored both your Celeste and and firewatch um i thought the firewatch story was just you know talk about spooky like that was one that had a great deal of suspense oh, yeah. to it um and then the edith finch one or not edith Finch, uh, the celeste one mm-hmm. was um just really beautiful i remember just the language and the place that you put us in there i can still remember kind of that kind of abstract place that you painted in that um and it just felt so personal and personal. Uh, f- now having played that game I ah, yes. uh, oh, can yeah. tell you that it also, you know, it fit that story really well. And yeah. again, I think Marcus wrongly chose me that week, but uh, <laughs> uh, uh, thank you. Yeah, thank you. it was, that was a, that one
2: stands out to me. Fantastic. All right, hey guys, this has been fun. It's been Tons good. Of fun.
3: We'll see you soon. Sham listeners and some, some form, don't know where, don't know when. We'll meet again. Yeah, uh,
1: we'll do that. And gosh, I'm surprised that there's I feel like there's something else that needs to be
2: said. There's and, some like word of
1: advice maybe yeah, that what's, somebody what's like,
2: might want to give.
1: Yeah, like just one one little nugget of advice that we could we could get from all of this.
3: <laughs> I do have one more nugget of advice, but I forgot at the beginning of this season. <laughs> What? Okay. Oh, I wrote I wrote a uh a new theme song for ham fiction season two. Oh, ham fiction. And right. I had the and intention I this entire recall. year that uh you know, as our as our two jacket show between season one and uh, uh season duel. Yeah, uh, uh, award winning, highly, highly uh beloved. So I wrote this theme song and my goal was gonna be that we'd have a stealth ham fiction pitch and we would <laughs> yeah. just surprise you one week. And I'd be like, ah, just kidding. <laughs> I'm doing this Hormel Meats Hour or something. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but I never found a good ham property. Oh. So the, the alternate theme song uh, just languished. See, yeah. now so did you I, have I, it waiting? Well, I was the I wrote theme the lyrics. I wrote the lyrics. I just never recorded it.
2: Oh, man. So, yeah. okay. so you have to uh, sing it live now, you know. What? <laughs> Do you, you remember you the you lyrics? Can't you can't bring sing. it up. You can't bring it up. And okay. not do it. Otherwise, All we're right. just going to cut this part out of the show.
3: Okay, well, I will I will say my word of warning, then I'll, I'll sing it, and that'll be the last thing I can say, because what else could I sing? I'll tell you what. You know what else it could be? What's that? It could be our preview for next time. <laughs> After yeah, the credits. maybe we'll just play it. We could play Love it at it. the end of the show. Oh, yeah, God, but I want to hear how much Andrew hates it. I mean, <laughs> I will hate it. Well, uh... <laughs> I'll,
1: I'll actually just... I'll just uh deny its... uh you know that it even
3: exists alright um, so here's what we're gonna do sham listeners I'm gonna say my word of warning and then uh, we'll, we'll sign off and then we're gonna come back like a second later and you'll hear the steam song are you ready yeah. for it yeah let's do it you can't beat the dredge they're pure energy hey
2: there it is
3: there it is that's all how right. you sign off thanks.
2: everybody. thanks sham listeners thank you so much thank you all goodbye bye Sham Fiction is a Two Jackets production hosted by Eric Carlson,
0: Marcus Mann, and Andrew Neal. Original music by Reed Reimer. Head to shamfiction.com for the episode archive. Sham Fiction. Write what you don't know.
3: Alright, now, are you ready for this? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. (laughs) Uh, if I can remember it all, uh... They say it tastes like chicken, but have you tried ham? It's the meat that is a treat for every woman and each man. Andrew thinks this format is not hot, so we'll prove to him that it's not-not. With stories based on ham and puns, some tasty writing in your buns. Ham Fiction is our show. Thank you. Good night, Sam. I love you. (laughs) Well done. (sighs)
2: What
3: What just happened?
2: That's great. That's great. (laughs) I'm glad you included that. This has been a Two Jackets production.